0: before the sermon this morning i'd like to pray a special prayer for our boxes that we have here that we're sending off for operation christmas so please join me for that heavenly father god oh we you know we live in a country filled with riches god and so we thank you for this opportunity to be able to take some of those riches and bless children and the other side of the world, God, who will never, may never know the riches that we know, the, the luxuries that we have, uh, our needs become luxuries. It's, just, it's, it's a blessing for us to be able to do that, God. So we pray for each and every one of these boxes, God. We pray that these boxes uh, would go into and touch. Uh, the hearts of every one of these children that that open and receive these boxes, God, but not just because of the things that are in them, Father God, that they would know that these things are given to them because Jesus Christ loves them. Allow them to know to experience the love of Christ as they open these boxes, God, that they might place their faith, understand their position in life, and place their faith in him, God. Please work in and through these boxes as a means of proclaiming your gospel And save these children. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Psalm 100. Let me read it for us again. It's a short uh, psalm, and so let me read it for us again, that we can put this into our minds. Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. As I was preparing this week's sermon, I was honestly preparing, I began the week preparing for the next installment, the next passage in Mark, uh, and as I was preparing, I, I just, I was struggling, it wasn't, it, I just wasn't feeling the inspiration that I need, that I, I desperately rely on in order to prepare these sermons, and so I stopped about midweek and and prayed about it, <clears throat> and God, through the Holy Spirit, gently nudged me into this direction of the the 100th Psalm. And you've got to know this. You've got to know when I preach, even though you're my audience, I don't really preach to you. I preach and hope that God supernaturally uses it through the Holy Spirit to do with whatever it is He needs to do with it. But primarily when I come to the pulpit, I, I preach for uh, one audience, really, and with one purpose. I, I preach to uh, make God happy. I pray that I am faithful to his word, that he is pleased with the words that I am speaking, that I am not adding or taking away from his word. Ultimately, my job is to just take his words and hold them up. And so I pray and I aim to make God pleased with what I say up here. And I preach to me. I, I preach to me, because even when I'm under the study of, of his word, I'm the one that's getting convicted all week. I have never come across any passages of scripture that didn't do something to me or for me, whether it was enlightening something for me or encouraging me or oftentimes challenging me. And certainly that is the case this week. Because I wouldn't have considered myself coming into this week as an ungrateful person. If you would have asked if I was ungrateful, I would have said, I'm not an ungrateful person. I'm not filled with complaints. And God has shown me this week that the reason why I think that is because I just don't pay attention. Because I have had a heightened awareness of my own language. I have become very aware that unfortunately, across my lips comes more complaints than praise. I'll tell you how deep it runs. This is your pastor. So <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is who's at the pulpit. I was literally preparing and writing the sermon on how we all should be thankful at all times as Christians. When the phone rang, and it was a buddy of mine from Missouri. And I needed a break anyway, so I took the call. And within 60 seconds, I was complaining about leaves not falling off of trees soon enough. And I started laughing. He's like, what are you laughing at? And I told him, and he, he started laughing. He says, boy, we are hopeless. How big of a God do we need? How loving of a God do we need? How gracious and merciful. For not 60 seconds later, I'm complaining. About leaves. <laughs> it's incredible. We never need to read Exodus and wonder how Israel could have complained. That's us. God is showing us us. And the same reason why they complain is the same reason I complain. My focus is off-centered. I'm focused on the wrong thing. See, Israel was focused on the taste of the manna and not the fact that it was miraculously being fed to them by God. Focused on the wrong thing. When I get into a season of complaining, listen, there's plenty to complain about. It isn't as though we need to just be blind and pretend that there isn't problems and difficulties. There are plenty of things to complain about. i got a list of them here. I won't even read them because you know what they are. But where's my focus? Is it on these things? Or is it on God? That's, that is, if my focus is wrong, then I will be a complainer. But if my focus is, is righteous, then I will be somebody who lives a life filled with thanksgiving. See, as we're coming up on thanksgiving, we have this one day a year where we get together and we proclaim our gratitude. But God has made it clear that the Christian, for the Christian, every day should be lived out in thanksgiving. Every day should be lived out in thanksgiving. He tells us, Rejoice always. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the command that is brought upon us. So how do we get from a place or a position where we're focused in on our own lives and our own agendas and our own hang-ups and our own difficulties in the world around us and back on to God and who He is and what He has done for us? Because that is the key then to moving forward as thankful people, rejoicing always. Giving thanks to him no matter what comes down the pipe. It's a matter of focus. And when we read Psalms, they're a little bit different than some of the other genres in the Bible. We kind of have to read them and reread them and kind of figure out how they're put together. A lot of Psalms, this is a trick to reading Psalms, you might want to go right in the middle of the Psalm and read that. A lot of times the, the verse that's right in the middle of the Psalm is the key to understanding and unlocking the entire psalm. And Psalm 100 is no different. So we're going to start this morning not with verse 1, but with verse 3. Because verse 3 is going to help us focus. It's going to tell us what to focus on. Without verse 3, we really can't do the four other remaining verses. So as we look at verse 3, it reads, Know that the Lord... He is God. Know that Yahweh is Elohim. Know that the Lord is God. Know. So this isn't just an intellectual no, although it starts there. How could you be grateful if you don't know God? But it's more than that, because all of us know God, Right? We know that the Lord is God, amen? We don't need a Sunday school on that. We know that, intellectually. Pass, A+. But what this is talking about is an experiential no. It's an active acknowledgement. And put it another way, it could say this, bring into focus in your mind's eye, in your heart and your spirit, That the Lord is God. The Lord is God. We don't realize it, but when we are not focused on that, we make all of these other things God. Look what's happening in politics. My goodness. It's as though whoever the next president of the United States is was the power almighty. Or just even in our own lives. We think, oh no, if I can just get rid of this, then I will be happy. Then I can return to praise and thanksgiving. As though that has the power. None of that has the power. There is one God. One. And he has all power. Amen? All power. All of it. He is the sovereign creator, the king of all. He has all power and control. And with this all-powerful, all-sovereign king, this creator of all things, I mean, we're talking about God. Remember, God, with a word, made the entire universe and everything in it. So we can succumb to that power, we should stand in fear and reverence and awe of this power and including in that creation, he created you and I. Raise your hand if you created yourself this morning. No, we've been created. We've been created by this awesome power. It says, it is he who made us. And then in the ESV, it says, and we are his. And the reason why they do that is because it's very difficult. The Hebrew language here doesn't read well in English, but it really should say something like, we are not ours. Right? He he is who made us. We are not ours. We don't belong to us. We didn't create us. He did. We belong to him. He made us in two ways. Obviously, He is our Creator. He has created us into existence. We did not create ourselves. But more specifically, here, what this is talking about is He created Israel. He created His people and set them aside. We can bring that into us today to understand that He created His church, His people, His church. In other words, he saved you. Did you save? Raise your hand if you saved yourself. He saved you. So here's this focus in on the fact that here's this almighty, all powerful God who, for whatever reason, in his own goodness, has decided to save us and bring us into his own people, nation, as the church. And then it concludes by saying, We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. See, we are his. We forget the position to which we once come. We forget when I'm complaining, I'm focused on leaves. I forget that I once was dead. I was a dead man, dead in my trespasses and sins. I was once a slave to sin, bondaged and chains to sin. I desperately sought in this world some sort of relief and happiness and found nothing but pain and anxiety and anguish, waiting unknowingly for my final death and judgment separation, of living a life in sin. This was my destiny. And I did nothing. And God decided to come down and pluck me out of that. No longer am I a child of Satan. He's adopted me and made me his own. I am a child of God. What would a child of God have to complain about? What would one who has been shown so much mercy and loved and saved from such a destiny have anything to complain about? We are His. We were bought with a price. 1 Corinthians reminds us that. We are freed by his blood and adopted by God. See, he says that we are, we are now sheep of his pasture. We were sheep without a shepherd. We had no pasture. We had no safe haven. If we were to buy a sheep right now, especially right now, there's been a lot of coyote sightings in this area. So if we were to buy a sheep and just set it down there, And pay no attention to it. It would survive maybe all of two hours if it's a really hardy, smart sheep. (laughs) Right? It's a little bit of an insult when we're called sheep because sheep are really dumb. They cannot... They're afraid of things that they shouldn't fear. And they have no fear of things that they should be terrified of. They will not survive on their own. They are desperate for a shepherd, and a shepherd will love this sheep and bring it into a pasture, a safe haven. See, before that, that's all I was, was a sheep without a shepherd, destined for death. And now I have a shepherd. A shepherd who loves me and cares for me and is by my side and provides for me a pasture, a safe haven. When I focus in on this, if I remember who I was and what and who God is and what He has done for me, suddenly you know, it's like this. I mean, the, the verse one says, make a joyful noise to the Lord on the earth. First of all, I'm grateful that it doesn't say sing a beautiful song, because my voice would not be able to sing a beautiful song. What a joyful noise I can make. Right, it, it's like this. If if you're at a sporting event, right? Say we're say we're watching the, the the football game, and 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 they're they're driving down. All of a sudden, he throws the pass, and he catches it in the end zone. And you cared. I know a lot of you don't care, but and you cared. You're watching it, and you cared when he catches the ball in the end zone. What do you do? Woo hoo! Yeah, something happens. That just and it's not it's not like you say, Oh, he scored a touchdown, now I should make a joyful noise. And then you consciously force yourself to make the joyful noise because it's the right response. No, you can't help. When Ellie was born a little baby, the Red Sox were in the playoffs. She was a little baby and she used to sleep in my hands. And so I'd be watching the playoffs all October. They made it all the way through and ended up winning the World Series. And it was a nightmare. Because every big play, every huge strikeout, yeah. I kept making joyful noises. And I couldn't help it. I didn't want to make joyful noises because it would wake up my baby and it was a, you know, just a catastrophe. It wasn't a very good thing. But you. But I couldn't help it. Something happened that overcome me and I've got to shout you see, verse 3 is our position when we realize all that God is and all that He has done for us. We go, yeah! We make a joyful noise. We can't help it. We're overcome by what has happened because of God. Because the Lord is God. But that emotion, which causes us to shout, isn't enough. It's not enough. That emotion must turn to motion. I've got to do something. Remember, you know, you're saved and you realize who Christ is, and you're like, oh, you know, I've got to serve him. I've got to tell people. I've got to do his works. There isn't anything He could ask me. After what He has done for me, after the great price He has paid for my freedom, what could He ask of me that I could say no? My whole life now is yours. You purchased it. You bought it. I am now free in you. I am no longer a slave to sin. I am no longer destined to death. You have even conquered death for me. I will work for you. What do you want me to do? Right? It it, it turns into this action. That's what verse 2 says. Serve the Lord, not out of religious duty. Not so that the other church members see me doing stuff, or my buddies see me doing stuff, or I seem like I'm pleasing Him, or to even please Him. But out of this position of thanksgiving with gladness. Listen, if I don't have to go to hell, if I don't have to live the way I was living in the bondage that I was living because of the price you paid, I'll gladly do anything for you. I'll gladly do anything for you. This is what Paul means in Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. See, sometimes we put worship in a box, we think we have to do Worship is singing, and we compartmentalize. No, our whole lives, our whole lives should be lived out and worship This is the the whole idea of in verse 1 he says make a joyful noise unto the lord serve the lord with gladness and it says all of the earth See Israel Israel was God's people but the whole idea was that they were to bear witness to who God was so that all the earth the gentiles and all the earth would see that and come into faith come into the fold and, and Christians, that's what we're called to do is, as Christians. We're not just Christians on Sunday morning, we're Christians 24 7, 365. And our language and our attitudes ought to look distinctly different from our non believing brothers and sisters. It is a call to all the earth, but it starts with His church when I step into the coffee shop with my friends who don't know God, when I'm on the phone with my friends who don't know God, when I'm in my place of business or wherever I am in front of and before my friends who don't know God, when their speech is peppered with hopelessness and complaining, let my speech be peppered with hope and thanksgiving. So that they might go, what is with you? How could you possibly be so cheerful in a scenario like that? And then you can tell them. You can tell them, I know that the Lord is God. I know the Lord is God. Enter his gates, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. So in in Israel's context here, when they went to the, the courts, And the gates, when they're entering into the gates and the courts, you are talking about the temple. This is their presence before God. This is where they stood, how they stood before God, before you and I. Blessed are we, we can praise and rejoice that we don't need to go to a physical location outside of our own being. That God dwells upon us and all we must do is bow our heads and begin to pray. And when we pray, we enter in to the gates and the courts of God. How could somebody with such an intimate relationship and such access to this Lord, who is God, have anything to complain about? We have a front row VIP access. We bow our heads. We bring our troubles and our difficulties and whatever it is to the Lord. And he is all ears. He not only hears, He cares, and He responds. Sometimes we just get so used to praying that we forget to do it with thanksgiving. Because not everybody has that position. It's only those who have received the blood of Christ that get to do that. There has been a high entry fee into his courts and to his gates high price I remember many 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 years ago the Buffalo Sabres went to the Stanley Cup so long ago I could barely I don't even think it happened but it did and, and my stepfather and his brother they bought tickets I was, I was a young kid I didn't have money like that it's a lot of money And they gave me a ticket. And to this day, when I think about that game, it's one of the coolest events I've ever been to, and I think of my stepfather who gave me that ticket. See, I wasn't there. I didn't purchase my way into that arena. I wasn't there on my own merits, on my own design, on my own labor. It was all on the labor. It was a complete gift. And so when I approached in there, I was grateful and when we bow our heads in prayer, this is why we pray in Jesus' name, because we aren't there in our own name. We're writing checks we can't cash. you got a check, and there's that signature right there. Whoever signs that is the one cashing it. It's too high of a cost. i got to write Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can cash it, and he's cashing it for us. So when we enter into prayer... If we keep focused, the Lord is God, we will do so with thanksgiving. And verse 5 says, The Lord, for the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. The Lord is good. Mm. When is He good? All the time. So when I'm filled with complaints, what am I focused I'm focused on the wickedness of sin in man and not the goodness of God. I have something to complain about because I'm looking at my own wickedness or the wickedness of this world and I'm focused in on that and I'm letting go. I'm not in focus of the goodness of God. because if he's good all the time, there isn't a scenario or a situation where I cannot look onto God and see that he is good. Focus on the wrong thing that his steadfast love endures forever. Forgive me, God, but my love waxes and wanes. It, It waxes and wanes. Ours just does. But not his. His steadfast love endures forever. What does that mean for us? Let's not miss this. This means there is nothing you can do or anybody else for that matter, to put you outside of the love of God. Nothing. Name the sin. If you're in Christ, name the sin. It's paid for. It's covered. We will endure forever. We are His forever not because of our faithfulness, but because his steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. Praise God. This was written, remember, this is in the Old Testament. This was written to Israel, about Israel. But there's this line here that says, for all generations. And so here we are, thousands of years removed from when this was penned, and yet we receive the benefits of this covenant, of this love, because it continues for generations. Amen? We're under it. We're grafted into it because of the plan and the design and the love of God. So I brought up some trivial complaints. And and listen, I know that there's real hurts. There's there's been real hurts in my life beyond leaves. And I know that there's real hurts in here this morning. I know that there's real stuff. Even fighting your attention this morning as you sit here. I I get that. I've lived a life too. Those, Those seasons in my life, it can be hard. This is not calling us... To pretend like life isn't hard. There are seasons of lament. Amen. Seasons where it's just too much. We must fall before Him and lament. And, And that is all well and good. He allows that. And if you call me crying, I will cry with you. I get it. The point here, though, is that it's a season of lament not a life of lament. Amen? Though there are those seasons, our lives should be spent in thanksgiving. Even with those hurts, God has not called us to live with the temporal in focus. Amen? Not with the temporal in focus, but with Him in focus. He should be our focus all the time, in all things. From that point of verse 3 of the 100th Psalm, when we're focused in on that, we walk in a way that recognizes that we are rich in Christ. That we are heirs to his kingdom. That we are children of the Lord who is God that we are brothers with Christ, that we're blessed beyond measure, and that we're saved from death. And here, I think, is the greatest of all, that we will someday live forever with the one who has done all of that and more for us. It will no longer be by faith. It will be in our presence that we can see Him and rejoice always and sing to Him and love Him and hug Him and touch Him. Does that not want, make you want to make a joyful noise this morning? Amen. So we need to focus in. Focus in. Let us, let's not just live let us not live not just on Thursday thankful on Thursday but let's live a whole lives moving forward with thanksgiving that what? The Lord is God. Amen? Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for your patience with me. My goodness, do I fall asleep to who you are and who I was. I so easily get entangled in my own life and my own plans, my own agendas, my own to-do list. And God, that stuff matters. It matters. But it doesn't matter as much as you. You must be first in my life, for the focus of my life, that everything of my life, that everything I do centers and hinges on my relationship with you, the truth that you are the Lord that you are God and that you have created me and saved me and have purchased me with a price that I'm yours. So Father, please give us all strength and all minds of remembrance to know that you are the Lord, our God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I picked the music for today. A week ago, before Pastor had his sermon, and I just think it's amazing what God does when we focus on Him. Um, I heard this week from the authors of this song, My Heart is Filled with Thankfulness, that, and I ne-